Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that would like you to know that when a joke doesn't work, it's because of the media. This is episode 169, aka the election post-mortem. I'm Tiernan Duyeb, and as the dust settles, most of it occurring from the infinity war-like dissolving of Remain hopes, we can now all rejoice in the most wonderful time of the year. That's right, blame season, when everyone left of right gets together with their most loved echo chambers and shouts about how everyone else got it wrong. Like losing a war, then killing half of your own troops because next time, victory will definitely be easier when most of your side are dead. Prime Minister in the inside of a barn after someone had an illegal rave in it, Boris Johnson, urged Britain to find closure and let the healing begin. They didn't specify how much it would cost and what level of insurance you'd need to access it. Yet weirdly, the man who spent the election lying, dodging scrutiny, attacking his opponents with untruths and dog-whistling xenophobia is, in this post-election haze, not wrong. It's just that really, the healing should be on the opposition sides so they can work out how to curb whatever Johnson's majority government will now inflict on Britain. From a hard Brexit or no deal, all the way to his new immigration department separate from the Home Office, which will make Pretty Patel, aka Violet Beauregard, but if she refused to eat foreign sweets, really upset as now she won't be able to hang petty thieves and deport people, she'll only be able to do one. So what will she do to fill the time? But a potential UK version of the US's ice, which I guess will be called whatever we put in drinks, splash of milk, is just part of Johnson's planned Whitehall shake-up. There's also a merging the Department of International Development with the Foreign Office, which means thrombosis head Dominic Raab could soon be in charge of telling poor people around the world that they may just have a cash flow problem. The Department of International Trade may also merge with the Department of Business as UK companies collapse and we have to ask helium balloon Liz Truss to persuade big companies from abroad to run pound stretcher. But what you have to remember is that the safety of anyone who isn't white or British or people with disabilities or anyone in poverty just isn't important here. What's really important is why Labour failed and who on earth can we blame for it? Is it Labour leader and charcoal sketch of an old sheet in the wind, Jeremy Corbyn? Is it his fault for not being absolutely anyone else on the planet? Something a simple Doctor Who style regeneration would have fixed if he wasn't so stubborn about not doing that. Is it because Labour's Brexit stance of calling for a second referendum didn't go down well with voters who thought everyone who voted differently to them last time was wrong, so why do it all over again? It turns out you don't need two wrongs to make a right-wing government. 
Is it that Labour's extensive climate change tackling politics turned off voters who, based on the last few years, think it's actually for the best if we just all sink? Or maybe it's the media's fault for consistently scrutinising the Labour Party's policies and asking them really stupid questions like if they'd nationalise sausages, which, I mean, it sounds brilliant. I'm amazed it wasn't in the manifesto. While on the other hand, when it came to the Conservatives, they often just focused on that time Boris Johnson ate a scone like a truffle pig delivering cunnilingus and then in one instance forgot to interview him at all. But look, we know it's not the media's fault, as everyone in the UK knows all these politicians personally and only ever hears their views and policies directly from them, so I'm really not sure how you'd influence that. Though, to be fair, at the same time, maybe all the media would have been more helpful to the Labour cause if the leadership and various often interviewed members didn't treat every single TV appearance like it was an audition for one of those prank shows where you try your best to get fired from your job. According to an opinion poll carried out after the election, 43% of people who didn't vote for Labour chose not to because of its leader, with 17% blaming the Brexit stance and 12% its economic policies. Yes, most people hated a man they'd very unlikely meet ever in their lives, so much that they'd prefer it if children died. I've not felt like that about anyone before, though to be fair, Greg Wallace hasn't run for Prime Minister yet. This also suggests that had Corbyn pushed for austerity and a hard Brexit, Labour might just have won, or more likely everyone who'd voted Remain would have hated him and he'd still have lost. Or maybe if he'd campaigned for Remain, then everyone who voted Leave would have hated him and they'd still have lost. Ultimately, I can't believe they just didn't work out a sensible Brexit policy that would have worked for them. It's so obvious, can't you clearly see? Ultimately, there was no more unifying thing that Jeremy Corbyn could have done than just to make everyone angry all at once. Or maybe he should have shaved his beard off and called himself Neremy Jorbin weeks before the election. That also might have helped. But this also suggests that a brand new Labour leader will be what the party needs to get it to victory, much like we all know the party did with human doorstop Ed Miliband. Hmm. Another poll suggests that a large percentage of young people voted Labour while older groups voted Conservative, so possibly what Labour need to do is ignore future generations and come up with a slogan like, for the veiny, not the ute. Despite calls for him to go, Corbyn is still around because nothing will help the party like him facing up to Johnson and taking a massive verbal, humiliating beating. Though perhaps that's just Corbyn's way of answering people's requests not only for him to go, but also to apologise, and then when he did apologise, saying he didn't do it properly. Maybe his plan is to appease the public and clear the way for a new leader by stripping off after the Queen's speech and walking through the Commons as everyone rings bells and shouts shame at him. Really, for a party where the leader was voted for by members, as were all their policies, the only real way to appease everyone who's pissed off about what's happened to the party is just to dissolve everyone involved in it and then start it again with leader, members and MPs all being picked at random by Depol. And then, as its policies each time just result in Boaty McBoatface said over and over again, everyone can rejoice that at least now, without decent broadband, they won't have a clue what's going on. What is also clear from post-election stats is that while the Conservatives' vote share only gained 1.2%, the Labour vote largely disappeared to the Brexit Party or Lib Dems, depending on the area. And so maybe the way that Labour could win next time is just by hiring ninjas to destroy all their fringe rivals, or maybe absorbing them like a political flytrap. So all eyes are on the leadership contest that will be taking place next year, because better there than on the government that's currently got power to do everything, and only a few months ago unlawfully shut down Parliament have lied about everything and are generally terrible humans. But hey, let's just focus on the ones who lost and can't do anything for five years. <laughs> that'd be that'd be best. 
I honestly don't know why the news doesn't just show pictures of pretty lights while Home Office ministers walk right into your house and get rid of your nan. Leadership contenders are said to include Mouse Turned Into a Human by Magic, Rebecca Long-Bailey, Chippy Wrongstocking, Angela Rayner, Flag Botherer, Emily Thornbury, Jenga Block With a Face, Keir Starmer, Lisa, If You Can't Beat Em, Join Em, Nandy, and Jess Phillips, who genuinely does think that song is about her. While each of them represent different factions of Labour's supposed broad church, we can be certain that whoever wins, all the others will spend the next five years telling them why they're wrong, while Boris Johnson comes up with a three-word slogan like Eat More Pie or Punch More Wasps, and wins an even bigger majority in 2025, despite the day where he managed to run over three kids and a dog, or when he called the Queen a shitbag. The big questions are, who will unite the North again after the fall of the Red Wall? Which, having watched a lot of television, I'm certain it has to be one of the Stark family. Many are also asking, who is it that the Conservatives fear? And on that basis, the next Labour leader either needs to be an entire generation of children or Andrew Neil. The Liberal Democrats are also on the hunt for a new leader who can inspire the electorate to give them almost exactly the same amount of seats in the next election, as is their tradition. With former leader and the sort of person who tried to organise your wedding for you without ever asking what you want, Joe Swinson, now out of the picture and seatless, the party is temporarily helmed by Simon Day character Ed Davey and constant panto season Baroness Sal Brinton, because no one trusted Ed Davey to do it all by himself. The race is now on between the other nine Lib Dem MPs to see who can lead, or at least just be there. The question also arises of, now that Brexit is definitely happening, what will the party's new stance be with Remain? Rejoin? Leave, but maybe don't do it all at once? How about we leave, but everyone learns French anyway? Hey, what did you think about our help to rent plans? One of the forerunners, or rather sideways crab walkers, is Layla Moran, a sort of what if Janet Street Porter was even more smug. And she insists that an appetite for progressive politics is still there. Though that could be because after five years of Johnson government, people will be so hungry they'll eat anything. In the government, new cabinet appointments have been made, with Culture Secretary and startled deer in the headlights of a go-kart, Nikki Morgan, being replaced by Nikki Morgan. But now she's got a peerage, so it's like levelled up Nikki Morgan, a startled horse in the headlights of a 4x4. It feels somewhat ironic that the government have got a new culture secretary that is actually the existing culture secretary, though I'm sure Morgan will now think there's somehow two of her. It's sort of like the ship of Theseus paradox, something that Morgan 1 or 2.0 won't have heard of, as actually, when it comes to culture, her favourite music is Robbie Williams. I really look forward to yet more culture policies that are essentially the now-that's-what-I-call-shit ideas that are massively detrimental to the arts, volume 78. Smug drainpipe Zach Goldsmith has also been given a peerage despite losing his seat in the election and has retained his cabinet seat as environment minister because who better to work out what's best for the climate than the man who couldn't figure out what the atmosphere of his own constituency was. Sometimes I remember former Prime Minister old arseface David Cameron saying we don't reward failure and then I laugh and then I cry. Boris Johnson has finally approved the release of the report into potential Russian interference in the election because the secret to a comedy government is timing. It can't actually be released until a new Intelligence and Security Committee is appointed, but luckily Johnson has several former KGB agents ready to take up the task. It's also looking like Johnson will ditch his promise to guarantee workers' rights and environmental standards after Brexit, but hey, at least he's filling that ditch with something now, right team? 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 And newly elected Tory MP Miriam, I definitely say it's wine o'clock, Kate, has been criticised for owning an app which charges food banks to list what items they need on it. Typical Conservative, assuming it's her that should be propped up by the banks and not the people. There will be a new Queen's speech at the end of the week where her madge will no doubt tell us about all the things the government won't actually do, while all the time hoping that as she's in the Commons, someone has Prince Andrew all trussed up like Hannibal Lecter so he can't get in more trouble. 
Then it looks like the withdrawal agreement bill will be passed just in time for Christmas so we can all enjoy our dinners knowing they may well be our last as next Christmas is spent fighting each other over tins of beans. And lastly, Brexit Party leader and drop gravy skin Nigel Farage, after aiding the Conservatives in their win, has said that he will change his party's name to the Reform Party once Brexit has happened. I'm not sure if that's advocating electoral reform or just what he has to do every single day once he's been tipped out of his bucket in the morning. How do you? How are you feeling after the weekend? Yes, okay, okay, we'll get to it. I'll be Labour leader, I'll do it. But my campaign will only be about tasty snacks for all and good booze. And I'll rename the party Brew Labour. And our symbol will be a good dog, a Labrador, obviously, with a rose-shaped ruff. And the dog will do all the major speeches. Are you in? Are you in? Uh, Sorry, I had a moment of weird confidence there. I don't know where that came from. Um, I hope you enjoyed, if that's the right word, the bonus episode I put out on Friday. If not enjoyed, I just hope it helped you along. Better to laugh than cry, isn't it? Um, I then avoided all social media for the weekend as it seemed to be a hive of people who thought it was more fun to tear each other's beliefs apart rather than, you know, actually reassure anyone that they'll do whatever they can to help them over the next five years or donate to charity or be of any use whatsoever. Um, All of which would have been better. But there you go, far easier to sit on your bum and tweet hate isn't it um if you're feeling at all despondent the facts and figures are useful in terms of seeing just how many people didn't vote conservatives or didn't vote or our children or are dead um all i'm saying is it's definitely a way to fight back if we can somehow control the ghosts like aragon does in lord of the rings i've watched that film quite a lot it's definitely definitely seems plausible um there is a ton of stuff that has me very worried about the next five years uh, especially for those who've already had an incredibly shitty nine years so far um and i posted a good article on the facebook group of charities that you may want to donate to or offer to volunteer with if you can i'm fully aware yes uh, someone pointed out to me that this is just david cameron's big society being realized through force uh, that is very much a conservative thing where people help each other rather than any public services and the people that are helping people don't get any support either but look i also feel like there's not much else that can be done for the next five years other than being more proactive at giving a shit about the people around us a little bit more i mean either that or we all just get better as a species at hibernating all year round getting our vitamins from pictures of the sunshine through our computer and only eating our own dead skin in which case fuck everyone else I'm living my best pod life but I think the former is probably uh, a lot better for us all and as one of the people um, I interviewed for the Future Curious podcast that other one that I also host um, as one of the people that I spoke to for that uh, said to me being active not only helps others but also helps your own mental health as you don't feel completely and utterly useless and despairing um, incidentally the most recent episode of the Future Curious podcast is the top 10 predictions for 2020 innovations um, which is actually positive about the future it's worth a listen uh, if you fancy being cheered up and no it isn't just various things that might help you during the purge so um this isn't a long episode this week as there's not that much to say yet um other than election sort of results um it's also the last one before a little christmas break for the podcast i know there are things happening this week but i just need a breather from it all before i become a mumbling exhausted mind mess this year of doing this podcast has been bloody exhausting isn't it it's just been a bit endless so it's going to go for a few weeks I'm going to have a little break Um, I'll try and pop a few bonus bits out here and there but unless lots happens I don't plan to bring the the full pod back until mid-January but as I said we will see what happens I've got every feeling that somehow next week I'm going to have to churn out an hour and I fucking fucking hell can't we all have a rest until then um, thinking about how we prepare for the future what would you like this podcast to do more of Um, I'll keep the gags in obviously they're staying but should I be focused on talking to more localised campaigners um, or maybe 
maybe people who've tackled issues successfully in other countries, giving us ideas for that. What will help you cope with the Johnson government? What do we need to know about? Let me know what you'd like to hear. Um, it'd be good if this show could not just uh, <clears throat> do the laughing instead of crying bit that I mentioned earlier through the Johnson Premiership, but also somehow be of some use. So, uh, just quickly, uh, thanks firstly to Bagwala on Twitter, who is always excellent, but also gave me the heads up on one of the gags in the intro this week, which is very much appreciated. I owe you a biscuit slash beer slash uh, general sort of um, thumbs up type things. Um, also, thanks to Lawrence, who came along to one of the Frankie Boyle gigs um, I've been doing support at. And apologies, Lawrence, for my weird inability to talk afterwards, but I had post-gig no sleep brain. And I'm just shit at having a chat after a show. And that is a warning to all of you out there. If you come and see me live, um, it's sort of like I've spoken loads on stage, so immediately afterwards I've run out of words it's very hard to explain um, other than my brain's crap but it's perhaps easier to do so just by saying I'm, I'm shit immediately off stage if you come and say hello um, but I very much appreciate you coming along Lawrence lovely to meet you and shout out to any of the rest of you who either came along to those gigs or you've listened in because of them um, you've all been great um, as I mentioned on the post election episode on Friday I am very grateful for any donations and shout out to Landlord on the Lamb um, I don't they put anonymous that was just the hashtag they use uh, for chucking us a few quid on on ko-fi.com forward slash bro and of course you can also donate to the patreon.com forward slash bro but what with the election results I would prefer it if you took that few quid and threw it to a charity that actually needs it right now um, a homeless person you walk past every day people that can't really afford shit pop more stuff in the food bank deposit and all of that I'm actually quite well stocked up on coffee for Christmas so I'm okay I did a, I did a, a supermarket shop using up all the nectar points I've gained over the year I'm, I'm such I'm such an adult it, it was impressive it was so impressive um, however, look, if you can do both, if you can donate uh, to them and to me, then I will not argue with you too much. Um, thanks also to whoever gave the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that yet, please pop five stars on whichever pod app you use, as it'd be nice to start 2020 with even more listeners to hear my weekly screaming sessions. So, uh, this week, as I said, it's a mini one. I'm chatting to my pal Tatton from Simple Politics as he gives a quick non-partisan breakdown of what happened and the timetable of what's to come. Plus, a very quick farewell to everyone's favourite squirrel hunt Joe Swinson. And then I'm off to hide for Christmas. But before that, get your lug holes round this. There is a lot to take away from last week's election, and preferably take it away, then put it in a bin and set fire to it. There are, for example, things like how the majority of people under 50 voted Labour, and then from 50 to 80 voted Conservatives, and then 80 plus sort of voted all over the place, suggesting that if you're of a certain age, the last thing you want is young people enjoying their lives. I mean, to be fair, the older I get and the more I see them young people being able to drink without hangovers and going out without having to pay a babysitter and all that, I do get little twinges of thinking, oh, well, I hope you have to work three jobs. So I do understand. No, I don't really. I was just trying to be vaguely balanced understanding. Fuck those guys, really. Um, there's already been loads of stats and loads of numbers with more to come, all of which currently are dwarfed by opinions with anger or elation. And look, for this week's shorter podcast, I just thought it'd be best to do a quick debrief with multi-time pod guest and my pal Tutton Spiller from the brilliant simplepolitics.co.uk, who not only knows what's going on, but is also completely non-partisan in all of his work. That means it stops me from yelling, but why would they vote in a man who sent his dad to do things for him? or that sort of thing, and just find out from Tatton actually what has happened, and most importantly, what will now happen. Simplepolitics.co.uk is an excellent site, uh, I'm sure you've checked it out already, um, where Tatton and his team break down everything that is happening in politics in a way that even primary school kids can understand it, which is why when he talks to me he has to break it down even more so. I hope this gets you up to speed with the what's and where's and when's without so much of the why's for now. Let's, let's leave that for a couple of weeks. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Here's Tatton. 
Tatten, uh, we all know we all know what happened in the election, but yes, we, do. Uh, we do. We're all very very aware. Um, I think on all sides of uh, of the fight. Um, but what what are your main takeaways from it? Uh, what what are you, what do you sort of uh, sit down a couple of days later and and, and think that you've kind of uh, worked out what happened? I think it was a clear win for. Oh God, just let this be over. It was. It, <laughs> It's what Boris Johnson just went around the country saying, if you vote conservative, I'll get Brexit done and we'll get on to doing kind of hacking at the sides, giving a bit more money to the NHS, a few more police. We're just going to get we're just going to get things sorted. Vote for me. We'll just sort this out. And for so much of, of our country, of the United Kingdom, they went, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly what we want. We just want it all to go away. Um and the Labour Party had some some really strong policies about radical change to sort this nation out. And the country went, oh, that sounds like a bit much. It sounds it, it sounds good, maybe. But, oh, God, we can't deal with more change. Yeah, there were some criticisms I saw that Labour had too many policies. Is that is that an issue? I think that there was a fear I don't. I, I mean, I don't know about the number of policies, but 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 for a country that's been bickering and not really understanding what's going on in politics for three years, someone coming along and saying we're going to change everything, we're going to make a better world, and we'll do it. We'll do it for the many, not the few. We're gonna we're gonna go out there and massively, massively, massively change stuff up. It doesn't matter how good that world he's trying to portray is it's just a lot of change at a time when people just want things to settle down and one of the things that really struck me was that the conservative vote only increased by i think it was like 1.2 percent um so it was sort of the the bottom falling out of the labor vote but i i guess also uh the brexit party's decision and and lib dems you know what what are all the there must there's quite a lot of factors coming into this aren't there of course there are i mean it's a general election you know i was just saying i was just a moment ago saying what the uk wants but the uk is made up of millions of individuals I think, you know, it's 14, 14 million people vote conservative and they will have 14 million different reasons for having done so. 10 million or 10.3 million people voted Labour. And it's the same thing. We, 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 we all have different reasons to, to do what we do. We don't know how many people voted tactically. We don't know how many people voted because they just kind of have to vote for the party they've always voted for. We don't know how many people were swayed by the idea of nationalising the railways. We don't know how many people were swayed by the idea of new hospitals. We just We just don't know because that's in individuals' heads and that's what they do in the polling station. A lot of people, um, only people that are unhappy, obviously not people that are pleased, um, but people who are unhappy are saying that this once again is, uh, you know, a shout for the need for proportional representation, which I can't see is getting anytime soon. But, you know, do you think that the results and, and then the seats that kind of come out of it are an unfair representation of the country? I don't think they're any more unfair than they normally are. Um, in fact... Like the Labour Party was almost identical to their PR result, or what their PR result would have been. Um, if they've almost always had a much bigger bump from first past the post than they would have done through PR, and this time it's been roughly the same. I mean, the Liberal Democrats can feel slightly aggrieved because they didn't do they didn't do as well as they might, 
under PR. The Green Party always, always do so much better under PR. But so, there's, you know, there are clear arguments that say under proportional representation, there's no need for tactical voting. You go out, you vote for the for the dream for your for the nation you want to see. And then you get an MP or he gets your vote counts more. But the but the but the argument first past the post. And by the way, I love this because we've drifted into the kind of A level politics arguments that I used to teach. So really, <laughs> we can do this for a long time. Um, <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, Good. settle down. Um, the the arguments first past the post are: you've got this clear constituency link. You have an MP. What well, I have an MP, and I can write to them and I can interact with them. And that link is really, really important because a lot of the work that MPs do is in the constituency. They don't just go to Westminster. They they rep, they they have constituency work, and it's very hard to keep that link if you move to to a proportional representation system, and I, you have to decide which you think is more important. I guess. Which brings me on to another point, and it's something, obviously, you, you and I travel around the country uh, explaining politics to kids. Um, I have, I, one of the things that really shocked me, and I suppose more so because of what we've been doing, um, it was some of the comments that people were highlighting where someone said, well, I was sick of the food banks and homelessness, so I voted Conservatives for a change. And thinking, oh, did you not? realize they're already in charge or do you not realize who's responsible for these things or you know there seems to be a lack of awareness about who deals with what and and i'm i'm very, very much generalizing here because obviously as you said millions of people voted and we're hearing sound bites from a couple of people but you know every time there's an election do you sort of come away from it thinking people need to know more about how this works i mean everything i do is uh designed to help people understand more about politics so yes, yes, I think they should, um, and that's what I—that's what I—that's what yeah—that's what I do on a daily basis. It's just really hard because the people that don't know much about politics tend to not want to know very much about politics. So reaching them and getting them to pay attention to things is is is, is hard to do. And so the person that said I'm I'm voting conservative for a change could have been buying into. The idea that change that, that that Boris Johnson is a new prime minister, we're no longer under Theresa May. He talks a lot of being a one nation conservative, which is a kind of compassionate conservative, which is about looking after the vulnerable in society. It's about a business model that gets everyone working, and then the more people we've got working, the more tax we've got, which means we've got more money to spend on on people who need a bit of extra help. You know, that's that's the idea that one nation conservatism has so it's not unreasonable for someone to look into that and say well this is the best way to sort out food banks sure sure yeah because it's still it's still a change for them it's just a change of leader and maybe a change of direction for the party they already support yeah exactly sure yeah it, it was it was interesting mean that somebody online had said uh you know the media have done a great job explaining everything which i i do you know bbc have had election cast and brexit cast and that. but as you say if you're not interested in looking out for those things they're not going to come to you i mean election cast and brexit cast i absolutely love but <laughs> i mean I'm it's not aware. as good as this podcast i should just point i out mean they are the listeners. second and third best political podcasts <laughs> uh that are out there but i'm aware that that my love for it and my regular listening to it is slightly niche like it's not it's not it, it, it's it's not for everyone um 
and a lot of people. This is the thing about this election, Tiernan. This election was won, I think. It was won by telling people politics would go away. And that's and that's what the nation wanted. Yeah, yeah. And the three three word slogans are incredibly powerful. They always are, you know, the shorter the slogan, the you know, we've witnessed that in a number of elections over the years. Um but the quicker and easier you can get your message to someone, the the more it's gonna sink in. Long term economic plan, take back control, get Brexit done. The three most successful slogans uh this decade. Yeah. Wow. So that's a sort of tip for, for the opposition really, is that they need a three a three word slogan for the next next time round. Yes. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, a second second referendum now. That's quite that's quite clear. Yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah, it wasn't phrased like that. <laughs> that's the, that's probably the problem. Um, so let's 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 uh, discuss the what's happening next, right? Because we all know we all know what the results are now. What's next on the timetable? Is Boris Johnson? You know, par- Parliament's returning before Christmas, isn't it? Yes. So um, so today. We have the, the the election of the speaker and lots of people are freaking out online going, we've just done the election of the speaker. Let's not do that again. Um, but it's but this is this is a ceremonial one. So Lindsay Hoyle will will be elected again. And um, and then they've got. So what always happens after an election is that people like me are like, oh, look, the House of Commons is sitting again. I'm very excited. Let's have a look at the House of Commons. And then you see MPs trooping through and signing in. And like swearing that they're going to be not naughty and um, and that the kind of thing. So nothing's going to happen. They're going to have this ceremonial election with Lindsay Hoyle today, and then tomorrow they're going to carry on, carry on doing that kind of thing. And then Thursday we're going to have the Queen's speech, which is brilliant and wonderful and amazing and exciting. But nothing about those adjectives is for anything to do with the Queen. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. The Queen pitches up in a shiny cart. She wanders round. She wants she wanders round for a bit. And people kind of stand in the audience and kind of enter ballots to try and sit in a corridor that she's going to walk along. Uh so they can see her walk along the corridor. And then she sits in a kind of golden throne in the House of Lords and reads a boring speech that she hasn't written. And then she walks back through the corridor. So those people get to see her walk through a corridor twice which is very exciting for them. And then she gets back in the shiny car and she leaves. That's really boring and it's rubbish. But, Tiernan, two hours later, they have the Queen's speech debate in the House of Commons, which is a debate on everything the government wants to do over the next year. And it's brilliant. And it's really exciting. And it's... Boris Johnson will stand up and defend everything he wants to do. And Jeremy Corbyn will stand up and say why everything he wants to do is terrible. And then all the MPs will take it in turns and say, yes, it's brilliant. No, it's not. And it's yeah, I think that they're looking at ideologies and ideologically driven debate. And uh, I shall be watching. But now that the Conservatives have such a majority, there is nothing the opposition can do to stop anything the Conservatives want to do, right? Nothing. They can They can stamp their feet and shout a lot. And hope that and hope that makes the Conservatives change their mind, which I mean is incredibly unlikely. But uh, yeah, I mean it's not it's not definitely going to happen. No, no. But I mean, with that huge majority, we've got Boris Johnson probably won't lose a vote for five years. He will get through everything he wants to get through. So it'd require his own MPs rebelling against the party, which is almost unheard of. But you know, for that to happen. Well, I mean, it's it's heard of. 
but not in those numbers. Sure. So 20 MPs could be like, this is rubbish. And, you know, and still he wins. So, so this majority that the country has just given him means that he has massively broken the deadlock. He can get through whatever he wants. I know case in point is on Friday. So a Queen's speech Thursday, and there's normally five days of debate after the Queen's speech. But I presume they're being shelled for January because on Friday, the Brexit withdrawal bill is back in the Commons ready for that second reading vote for the big vote on the principle of the bill that was promised during the election campaign. He said there'd be a big vote before Christmas. And this Friday, the 20th of December is when it's going to be. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we'll be back with Tassin in a minute. But this week, I thought with the swift departure of Liberal Democrat leader Jo Swinson as she lost her seat in East Dunbartonshire, it was only right to give her a par pole bro farewell. So, Joe, the woman who should have learned from Boris Johnson and just not turned up to stuff, as that way people may have liked her more, here are all the descriptions of you from Podcasts Past. Jo Swinson is the Jar Jar Binks of politics. Joe Swinson is the kid who chooses to stay later at school to help the teacher tidy up as a cover for not having any friends. Joe Swinson is the kid who always volunteers to read things out in class. I've always just walked in from the cold, Joe Swinson. Yes, she's definitely the one that told on you for smoking behind the bike sheds. Bing, but all grown up. Lisa Simpson on cocaine. An out-of-season shopping centre Santa's helper. An extra from Peanuts. Joe Swinson is someone who always looks like she's posing for best temp staff member of the week pick. A tall gnome. Oh wow, that was it. God, even on this podcast she didn't get that much coverage. If she'd just taken me to court about it, I could have thought up at least 20 more unflattering descriptions. Good luck in your future career, Joe. R.I.P. all dem squirrels. And now, back to Tatton. And so then if that passes on Friday, then that means we go on January 31st, or does it then have further readings after that? It's got it's got oh it's it's got further readings and further hoops to jump through. But with that majority, all of the MPs 
all of the candidates who are now MPs were all forced to sign up and say, I will definitely vote for that when it comes up. So they're all going to definitely vote for it when it comes up. So it's going to sail through the House of Commons. Um, and then it goes to the Lords and the Lords famously hate Brexit, but they will like with this majority in House of Commons, they've got to acquiesce. They can't they can't kick up as much of a fuss as they would have done if it was close in the Commons. Um, they might. Sure, but make, they can add amendments and things, can't they? They can make amendments. They and probably the first time it goes through the Lords, they will change all kinds of things, and then the Commons will will take all of those things out. And the second time they'll go, oh, all right then. So we will we will be leaving on thirty first of January. And then we we leave. That's the that's the withdrawal agreement. But then they've still got to agree a trading deal uh, with the EU that we've got, or they've supposedly got to do before the end of December 2020. Yes, and that is much less likely. It is much less likely we will have a trade deal by then because we've got, we'll have 11 months to negotiate it and that in trade deal terms, that's not very long. But, but with this huge majority, Boris Johnson has got quite a few cards to play. Um, he did. He did get them to reopen um, the withdrawal agreement bill, which they said they wouldn't do. Not the withdrawal agreement bill, the divorce, the divorce bill, the uh, their side of it. And they said they said they wouldn't do that, and he and the, and he got them to do it. So maybe he can do it. It's I mean it's going to be tight, but who knows? Who knows? So can we? Well, in fact, no. Before I ask you the most important question. Um, Labour, they're now going to have to have a leadership um, contest. How does that work? So uh, there's a bit of um, bit of nonsense now. While the NEC, or the people that run the Labour Party, sort everything out, it looks like it's going to start in January and be finished by the end of March, which is quite a quite a turnaround. A quite a quick turnaround. It was four months last time. Um, but we're going to have lots of candidates putting themselves forward to be a candidate. You've got to get like uh loads of mps and meps to say you're like okay to be a candidate and um or you can get lots of constituencies and unions and that kind of thing to say you can be a candidate and then once you've got a list of candidates uh they get sent out to members one member one vote and to affiliated unions and to people like that and you put you rank in order the candidates that you like the most to the ones you dislike and they all get sent in and they count them by adding up all the first preference votes and the person who gets the fewest first preference votes is knocked out and those those votes are reallocated to the to the people they said was their second choice and they keep doing that until there's a winner right and so we're probably not going to definitely find out exactly who the candidates are till january who, who, who's going yeah. to be going up for it and and i saw a lot of people as well sort of uh again depending on who you support they either are pleased corbyn's staying a bit longer or they wish that he'd resign right now but labor doesn't have a deputy leader so i'm guessing that means he can't resign until there's definitely someone that would hold fort until there's a new leader oh no he could resign if he wants to resign um because they can just appoint an interim leader like the mps could just get together and vote for an interim leader he just doesn't He's never been very resigning. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's... he wants to hold on. I mean, people who don't really like him would say that it's a real shame we've got a Queen's speech where we can fight the Conservatives 
what they would say, and they would fight conservatives on their whole thing. And it's a shame to have Jeremy Corbyn, who is a leader of the past, there to fight him on on his future. But people who like Corbyn, yeah, but people who like Corbyn say, no, 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 this man has deserved the right to stand there and and say why why it's not right. So it, it once again, there's you know there's there's different points of view, and it's all it all depends on how you feel about Jeremy Corbyn, really. Sure. Sure. And uh, it's yeah, which which I think is, is going to be one of the issues when it comes to leadership debates. Is it still or leadership contest? Sorry, in, in Labour, is it still going to be different factions of the party wanting their their type of leader <laughs> over the other yes. type of leader? And then we'll see another five years of the opposition tearing themselves apart, probably. Yes. But this I mean, the big question now is to what extent does momentum still still have the majority of members? In which case, if they do, we'll see someone from the Corbyn Corbyn mould coming through, and if they don't, then we'll see somebody of a more centrist mould coming through. Sure, and there aren't really. I was trying to think. There aren't many candidates. I think that were somewhere in between. That's what we really need, isn't it? <laughs> Bring people together. Someone who can unite the Labour Party. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to do. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. And what about the the Lib Dems now? They're also going to have a leadership contest. Yes. And there won't be, I mean, there can't be many candidates in that. Um, Of course. They haven't got many MPs. Um, Ed Davey, Ed Davey, who is currently interim leader, along with a member of the House of Lords. Even he's not saying if he's going to stand. I was amazed last time around that all of their candidates, both their candidates were from the coalition years. Because the coalition is when the Liberal Democrats lost a lot of popularity, uh, and a new leader seems to be would who was who would join became an MP after that could say we've moved on. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Leila Moran became uh, the next leader. And I suppose the most important question um, is: Can we have a breather over Christmas, or do we all need to be keeping an eye on everything? uh christmas day you can probably have i'll check the news when you get up <laughs> oh no don't um, say that no so so friday <laughs> friday is going to be this big vote and that's yeah that's that's that, that's the 20th isn't it uh the 20th of december and then you can probably christmas week itself you can probably uh chill and then and then it's but, I mean, they're, they're talking about they're talking about meeting between Christmas and New Year because they need to get. I mean, if they don't get Brexit done by the thirty first of January, it's not a good look. No, but um, similarly, no one can do anything about it because they got the majority. Yes, but still, I mean, if you only work weekdays, and the House of Lords going to be a bit funny about it, you've got to get that bill passed, and they have to. Last time, one of the big one of the big opposition points was that we need to have proper time to scrutinize it we can't just get it through in two or three days and so boris johnson presumably will this time give them a bit more more time he doesn't have to because he can force it through anyway but he wants to show that he's doing the right thing so there's talk about meeting between christmas and new year and then talk about working over weekends and there's talk about me having a nervous breakdown because i never get the chance to stop working I'll join you in that. Yeah, I'll join you in that. Perfect. Um, And yeah, so so yes, Christmas week, twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, 
you're probably all right. Cool. <laughs> probably. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, yeah, and... Uh, the one thing that you said you wanted to talk to me about was, uh, I mean, because I, I was saying to you before we started recording, I've just avoided social media for the weekend because it's entirely people being really awful to each other. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just nasty. Isn't it? And, and uh, again, it's that thing of, you know, we're, we're going into school or oh, we're going to schools. We're telling kids about listening to each other and, uh, you know, trying to understand the information. Um, do you feel, I, I, I don't really know how to ask you this, but I suppose, you know, that's the only way forward, isn't it? It's the only way that, that anyone's going to get through the next 5, 10, 15 years of politics. I mean, just tolerance, respect and kindness should should always... <laughs> it's just ridiculous that, that I'm thinking about <laughs> adults and talking about how we should be tolerant, respect and kind, and people are shouting at me for it. Um, like, I've put several posts up about just about that just about let's respect each other it's going to be hard over the, over the election and then after the election just some 10 you know 14 voters one way and 10.3 votes in another let's let's just be nice you know i use the bill and ted phrase be excellent to each other because i love bill and ted um and honestly the abuse i got for having put that up because the, the, what they say they they say things like how can i be nice to a nazi how can I be nice to people who hate disabled people? How can I be, you know, all of this stuff. And it's just, we have very, very, very few Nazis in this country. We have got some, and they're not very nice people. So it may, I mean, you know, may not be, don't be possibly, possibly don't be excellent to a Nazi. <laughs> that should be your Christmas t-shirt. And your um, but those 14 million people who voted for the Conservative Party, don't write them off as being Nazis. Don't, don't, don't say, oh, they're all racists. You know, and equally, don't, don't say the people who voted for Labour, you know, are all trots and, and foolish, idealistic idiots. And I mean, just people have very good reasons for voting for the party they do. And it's not because they're stupid. It's because of the way they, the way they think and what they believe in. And being angry at the idea of being nice to people is, I mean, I get, I get that an election just happened and particularly Labour supporters are very, very disappointed by that and are looking for, you know, looking for labels to blame whoever, whoever has beaten them. But basic human decency shouldn't, shouldn't be something you can opt out of by claiming by claiming other people are Nazis. Yeah, I suppose I'd also argue that, um, well, not even argue, I just genuinely think that if all you're doing is blaming somebody for something, it's it's not being proactive. I think it's much easier that if you're angry about things, find a way to support the politics you do like and find the way to, mm. to work on, you know, yeah. talking to people about politics you do like or helping charities that are, you know, that, that are important to you, things like that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's, that's sort of a. Is that a nice Christmas? Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> I still, I still think that you should send cards out with possibly don't be excellent to a Nazi. Um, but you know that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. 
Thanks as always to Tatton for that. Um, Tatton's book that I've talked to him about before on this podcast is called The Breakdown, and it's such a good guide to the very basics of ideologies across British politics. You can get it in all them bookselling places and potentially some places that sell books and other things like cards or even pets. Probably not pets. Simple Politics is, of course, at simplepolitics.co.uk, on Twitter at EasyPoliticsUK, or Simple Politics on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and, of course, the Kids Politics show that I do with Tatton will be back on the road next year that I'll be boring you with on a weekly basis. Um, there's also lots of good stuff on the Simple Politics store, too, if you have time to grab it before Thursday uh, to get it for Christmas for your politics-loving loved one. Um, that's at spstuff.co.uk. I will pop all those links in the pod blurb, too, because I be good at the admin. Um, who should I talk to next year what on earth do you need to know more about who will be useful um, for me to chat to let me know which interviewees or subjects to interview people on and you can do that by dropping me a line via the contact page on partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk the at Paul Polbro Twitter the Partly Political Broadcast Facebook group or email me at partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com or maybe write me a letter with your festive wish list and then on Christmas Eve leave out a large glass of whiskey and some crisps and I'll illegally break in steal those things then get get too pissed to remember what your note said and all you'll get on Christmas Day is a really awkward staring match with a grisly hungover man on your sofa covered in crisps. As always, it's probably just best to email, isn't it? And that's it for this year's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. There might be one or two mini things coming out over the Christmas period, but otherwise I'll see or um, hear. No, wait, you'll hear me. I'll hit, you'll hear me next in 2020. Yes, that's right. Um, unless you listen to this more than once, maybe you'll hear me more this year but it'll be the same anyway um, or you might have secret cameras and wiretaps in my home if it's the latter I swear it was thunder it definitely definitely wasn't me that was definitely thunder please don't forget to review the show spread the word about it donate if you can but mostly have a breather ignore all the politics for a few weeks remember that not everyone is a bastard but everyone who wears red trousers definitely is a bastard yeah including you Father Christmas total bastard Yuletide thanks to Acast for hosting the show, my brother the last sceptic for all the music, to Cat Day for all the linear liner notes, and to all of you for continuing to listen throughout the year like the good little listening types you are. This will be back next year when I'll no doubt be reporting on how Boris Johnson tried to grope Santa on Christmas Eve, causing such a fracas the police raced inside number 11 and then got called Labour activists for doing so. Have a very Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Winterville or just cold, dark, wet week where everyone goes away and you can have some peace and quiet. And despite the election results, may you have a happy new year or at least one where we can all find new ways to tell Johnson to fuck right off. Bye! This week's show was sponsored by the Panini Big Book of Labour Leadership Contenders where every page is specially designed so that you can never get the sticker you think you want for it. Sure, do swapsies all you like, but there is no David Miliband sticker because it went off shelves and out of date years ago. Please stop contacting us about it. Please stop. Please. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.